0: baptized for us, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. This morning we continue our journey through the month of January. Our consideration of God's Word in these four weeks here is centered on our theme of His faithful love, our thankful response. Last week, Pastor Knuckles taught us about God's faithful love being revealed to us. We learned that this has not only taken place through the visit of the Magi to worship the newborn Christ child, but also the many ways by which his love has been shown to us in the blessings that we enjoy in creation, in our everyday lives. It is also especially revealed to us here in this Christian community into which God has placed us. This St. Paul parish family in ways that were too numerous for Pastor Knuckles even to begin to list. This week as we celebrate the baptism of our Lord, we will consider now how we have been joined into God's faithful love. It is in Jesus' baptism and in our own that the joining of our lives to Jesus and to God the Father and God the Holy Spirit as well, takes on a special dimension. One which reaches far beyond the faithful love that God has for all of His creatures and His creation. It is in baptism that God's perfect and faithful love becomes even more faithful, even more perfect for us. Not because God changes, but because it changes us. Therefore, our relationship to God and to everything else and to everyone else changes too. The brief section from Genesis 1 that was our Old Testament lesson this morning reminds us that from the very beginning of time, God was a giver. His first gift of creation was to give us light, to give us illumination and hope even before we ourselves existed. And from that gift, all of God's gifts of creation have sprung. But those few verses, they only record what happened in the beginning. They don't tell us anything about God from before the beginning. And we sometimes forget that God existed apart from creation. Yet even in that state, God had faithful and perfect love. And because love requires both a subject and an object, a relationship, that is, which in love flows from one to another, the Father begat the Son. And so within the Godhead, we have a relationship of perfect and faithful love. From the strength and the power of that relationship proceeds God the Holy Spirit, the One who was sent forth as His powerful agent and the cause and the mover and the achiever of His will. That Spirit first hovered over the waters to create order from void and from chaos, and then brought all of God's gifts into reality through the speaking of His Word. His faithful love, outwardly poured and expressed toward all creation, is always ready to provide what is needed by all. Even when His faithful love was rejected and we turned away from that love toward death, He continued to provide. Not just the light from the darkness, not just the separation of earth and sky, the dry land from the waters, not just the sun and the moon and the stars, the plants and the animals, not even just our very own lives and all that is needed to sustain us for the few decades we have on this earth. No, throughout man's wavering and fickle and rebellious journey, God has provided hope through His faithful love. First, He gave it to the man and to the woman. The promise of a seed that would one day destroy the one who had first killed them with the poison of twisted words. Then the promises were given to all of their offspring through the ongoing proclamation of His faithful love. He would send rescue, restoration, and righteousness through that anointed seed. And finally, in the fullness of time, that seed arrived. Born of a woman as was promised. Fulfilling all of the prophecies and expectations of old. The Son of God became the Son of Man. Obedient. Completely given to the will of the Father. Full of faithful love. And in faithful love, He became joined to us in His incarnation. Today, we celebrate also His being joined to us in faithful love through His baptism in the River Jordan. Already connected to our predicament of being fleshly, He now enters the waters that are tainted with our sin and He connects Himself with our mortality as well as the Holy Spirit had once hovered over those chaotic waters of the earth at the beginning of creation, the Son of God now immerses Himself into the turbulence of our lives, blessing and consecrating those and all waters, and foreshadowing the new creation which He was now undertaking. The One who has left the glories of heaven to take on the form of a servant comes from Nazareth in Galilee. Leaving behind house and home and family to begin his ministry and to proclaim the kingdom of God. He travels to Bethany beyond the Jordan to receive the baptism of one who is unworthy even to stoop down and tie his sandals, untie his sandals. John the Baptist. John, too, is no stranger to giving things up for God's kingdom. He is left behind the opportunity to follow in his father's footsteps. Zechariah, as pre- being a priest in the temple of God, so that he might take on the far greater role of serving as the prophet and the forerunner of the Christ, God's anointed. To the world, perhaps, John's role is certainly less comfortable and much less prestigious. He is left behind the conveniences of city life and the security of home. He has sacrificed having a comfortable and stylish wardrobe for a garb of camel's hair and a leather belt. His nourishment is whatever he can find and whatever he can catch. Farming no land to harvest crops, raising no animals to provide his food. But perhaps the biggest thing that John has given up in all of this, though, is the comfort of making others comfortable, of being constantly pleasant and non-confrontational. He knew what had to be done, and it didn't involve telling people what they wanted to hear. He warned people from all walks of life that they must repent of their sins. He offered them a baptism of forgiveness. He didn't even shy away from, those, from telling those who thought that they were at the top of the religious establishment that they were a brood of vipers. They were fleeing from the destruction that was to come. The destruction in store for all who remained part of apart from God's kingdom. John earnestly desired that those who heard his words and repented of their sins and received his baptism would be renewed. Not only forgiven of their sins, but also restored and energized as God's people. Joined together as one in faithful love. Receiving and expressing faithful love to God and to one another. But we are a people who by nature as well as by nurture prefer not to have to give up much of anything unless we absolutely have to or unless we can see a payoff in the end of it and we also fight against being joined to anything that isn't of our choosing isn't comfortable isn't convenient we don't want to go without and we don't want to be tied down either sacrifice and commitment they sound like great attributes for others to have they're highly admired, but that's primarily and probably because they're always in such short supply. It's not that we aren't capable of sacrifice and commitment really, but rather that we're just not consistent in exercising them. That inconsistency in our willingness to be sacrificial, and that spottiness in being committed, or why we need the external influence of, influences of others so much and so often. God knows this. He knows this full well, and this is one of the many reasons that He has joined us together into communities of faithful love. Into congregations where we can be taught and encouraged, supported, and yes, even sometimes prodded and cajoled and chastised. Pastor Knuckles reminded you last week of the many ways in which God's faithful love has been revealed to us here at St. Paul. And also how in us and through us It has been revealed to others in our community, in our church body, in our nation, and the world. He also mentioned that our congregation was blessed in the last fiscal year by fully meeting our budget commitments for the first time in recent memory. Those are great blessings indeed. Yet God continues to challenge us and to provide us opportunities both to be blessed by Him and to be a blessing to others as well. Today I would like to remind you that all of these blessings, both the spiritual and the temporal, are made ours because we have been joined into faithful love. Joined first to God in Christ Jesus, and then joined to one another in a parish family and in the one holy Christian and apostolic church. Now I don't think too many of you have any problems with that first part. But the challenge comes in the second. We have a tendency sometimes to think of our Christian faith as being all about me and Jesus. In fact, a lot of people in the world today, even Christians, have brought into this whole, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. I'll define the parameters of my own faith sort of nonsense. And that's exactly what it is. Nonsense. God sent His Son into the flesh to die for you you, and for your sins, but not for you alone. He came for all people. Those who are already your brothers and sisters in the church and those who have not yet been joined into faithful love. The Kingdom of God is not just about your salvation. It's about spreading the Gospel of Jesus Christ to others too. And it's about keeping and supporting and encouraging those fellow members of St. Paul with whom He has joined you in holy baptism and in common confession of the Triune God and of all the teachings of Scripture. I imagine that there are more than a few St. Paul households that will steer clear of church for the rest of this stewardship focus month, and especially on the 29th when we turn in our financial pledges for this year. That's not only unfortunate, that's sinful. They're despising the gifts of God's Word and sacrament. They're distancing themselves from the community of faith and love into which God has placed them. They're showing that words like sacrifice and commitment don't really have a place in their vocabulary. So what's it going to be for you this year? What's the plan for your household? What's your goal going to be? Seek first the more prestigious home. Seek first the vacation property or the hunting land. Seek first the designer labels. Seek first the cruise, the ski trip, the exotic vacation to a distant land. Or is it seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you because your heavenly Father knows what you need? Are we demanding poverty of you? Suggesting avoidance of financial responsibility to any entity but the church? giving up all worldly comfort and pleasure? No, not at all. God does not want you to live in pain and in desperation and in sorrow and in fear. He loves you. And He has given His Son to die for you that your sins might be forgiven. He has baptized you so that you might daily emerge and arise to serve Him and to serve others. To be His agents and His facilitators to bring His kingdom into the lives of others. So, if you're not going to take a tough look at your financial situation and your commitment to God's kingdom and to the place where He has joined you together into faithful love, repent of your avoidance. If you're afraid that you cannot live on 90% of what God places in your life, repent of your fear. And maybe repent of some of your priorities and your past financial decisions, too if you don't pledge because you think you've got the self-discipline to give generously and consistently without a commitment and without the encouragement and the support of others, and even if you've been able to do that previously, be careful. Satan loves to prowl around to tempt and to devour those who think they've got it all in hand, everything under control. If you're resistant to making a commitment and writing it down and turning it in because you think that what you give to the church is just between you and God and only about you and God, (laughs) repent of your self-importance and your self-alienation from the communion of saints. Maybe it's just that you're afraid that once you've actually made a pledge and once God has led you and provided for you to fulfill it, That He might just keep on motivating you with His Holy Spirit to do it year after year. And pretty soon you'll not get to do everything with His blessings that you want to do with them. Frankly, God has heard all of the possible excuses. And I've heard a lot of them myself. Heck, I've even used a lot of them myself. I rationalized and I resisted for years, both inside myself and with others, to avoid pledging. I wanted to keep that autonomy and maintain the flexibility to fudge a little now and then on weekly giving. Sacrifice and commitment? I've done enough of that, I thought. You can not pledge. It's okay. It's neither sinful nor righteous. It's neither commanded nor forbidden by the Scriptures. But I don't advise avoiding it, especially if you're doing it on account of stubbornness. You're only limiting yourself and you're hampering and impeding your spiritual maturity. You can get mad at me for suggesting it, and maybe even for being a bit pushy about it. And although that would sadden me, I've had a lot scarier people than you mad at me. You can even run away from St. Paul, whether hiding just until the pledge drive is over, or taking your itching ears elsewhere. You can probably find a place where you'll hear what you want to or at least avoid hearing what you don't. I won't follow you. But these words will. Just as our guilt and our guilty feelings always cling to us when we don't give God our due, our fear, love, and trust in Him above all things. St. Paul's words in our epistle lesson this morning are instructional about what it means to be joined in faithful love. It all comes about through Christ, and by no other way. Apart from Christ, there is no faith. Apart from His sacrifice, all other love is meaningless. Jesus' baptism connected Him to our life. Our baptisms connect us to His death. A death that cleanses, renews, and gives us rebirth because it cancels the power of sin. We are joined in faithful love to Jesus. And through Him we are joined to the Father and to the Spirit too. Through the Spirit we are joined to one another in the Christian church. Called, gathered, enlightened, sanctified, and kept with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. As we learn about the Apostles' Creed. Forgiven together. Raised together on the last day. Given life eternal together. Together with all believers. It is in that togetherness, that shared confession, that shared understanding of the Scriptures, the shared service to the world that we in the church have our identity in Christ. Faith is ours both individually and collectively, but faith is always of God, working through His church to bring Jesus to us and to the world. In that unity with Jesus in His death and resurrection, we also have unity with one another. A unity of hope and of promise. A unity of purpose and of will. A unity of sacrifice and of commitment that we can never fulfill our own in our weakness. So join together with Jesus and with all the baptized. Join Him in death of self. Join Him in the freedom of faith that is provided to us through forgiveness. Join Jesus in resurrection and in a life lived to God and to others. A life of confession. A life of prayer. A life of being fed, forgiven, and nourished and strengthened by His body and His blood. A life dead to sin, and alive to God in Christ Jesus, sent forth with His blessings, joined in faithful love. In His holy name, Amen. Amen.